Animal Fire Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio podcast, a podcast that is designed to talk about the job. I'm the luckiest guy alive. I get to interview the coolest people out there in the American Fire Service and talk about the job. Everything from guys riding backwards, officers, chiefs, up through companies, people, manufacturers, products, organizations, you name it. We're trying to capture the stories to promote the job and make the job better. So if you're returning and you're a regular listener, thank you. If you're new to the podcast, check it out and let us know what you think. Podcast at nationalfireradio.com is where you can find us. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about the show, people that you think might be a good guest, or anything else that you want to talk about. Send it over to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And what we get to do is bring forth the word about the job. But in order to do that, we need the help of some sponsors. So do me a favor, hang tight, and listen to the words from a few of our sponsors. This episode's brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at BoxAlarmGrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his team have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 shields in the market. Taylor's Tins is a leader in the American Fire Service helmet front space. Not only do they manufacture helmet fronts, but they do so much more. Locker tags, key chains, CO monitor charts, medical kit charts, pump charts, banquet awards, you name it, they do it. Go over to taylorstins.com and check out what they can offer you today. They've become a longtime sponsor and good friend of the National Fire Radio podcast. And because of that, they offer a promo code at checkout. So when you go to taylorstins.com, enter NFR sent me, that is NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off your checked out order. It works on all stock items from taylorstins.com, including quick tins, license plates, locker tags, and much, much more. Exclusions do apply. This is a company that prides themselves on quality and customer service. From the inception, from your design to out the door, it's within 48 hours. Nobody else is doing that. They can't do that. 48 hours to get your shield out the door to you to put it on your helmet and get to the next job. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com. Again, that's taylorstins.com. Check out their latest offerings and use promo code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for 15% off on your checkout. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey, everyone. Jeremy National Fire Radio on the podcast today. Today's going to be a fun one, man. This is, this is a gentleman whose name was passed along to me by somebody that I truly, truly value as not just a brother and, a, and, and someone shaping the fire service, but also a dear friend of mine. And today I have the absolute distinct honor to introduce Battalion Chief Brandon Strickland from Decatur, Alabama. Chief, thank you for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, this is cool. So the the mutual friend that I mentioned, Mickey Farrell, Top Floor Tactics. I mean, he's become a dear friend of mine. He's been on the show many times. Uh, he has, I guess you guys have taught together now in different parts of the country. And he, he reached out to me and said, you got to touch base with this guy. This guy has got a way with words and a story to tell. And you are certainly shaping and influencing uh the fire service through your passion and love and just in the first 15 minutes we were chatting before we hit the record button i'm like already sitting back in my chair and just enjoying you and the conversation so thank you for joining me today man 
Well, thanks for having me, man. And, and Mickey is far too kind. I, <laughs> I got stuck with him. I didn't know him from Adam's house yet, and I got stuck with him in a hotel room in Fairhope, Alabama. Yeah. And I thought, you know, who, who what am I going to talk to this guy? He's an FDNY guy. I'm a hillbilly from Alabama. And, uh, dude, we hit it off. Uh, just a shared passion there. And uh, like I said, he's far too kind, though, and I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you because I, I truly value Mick and his message. And so if he drops a name or, or, or so on, I, I listen. And uh, and so I'm so glad that we were able to get mixed up here. And I'm excited to sit back and listen to you for the next hour. I think that, um, you know, just your storytelling alone is is pretty candid. And it, and it's uh, it, you've been painting incredible pictures already. And I want to dive into it. Decatur, Alabama, Battalion Chief, 17 years in the fire service, Chief. Uh, not only that, but you are the program manager and lead instructor for the Alabama Smoke Diver Program, which is something I want to talk about. We're going to get to that down uh, a little bit later on in the episode because I'm very curious. I've been hearing a lot more about these smoke diver programs in the south, and we, they're not prevalent up in the northeast where I am. And so I'm very interested in learning more about it. I, I, I've heard some you know, ins and outs of it, but I, I'd love to hear from you what it what it is, what it means. Um, there are distinguished programs that really set people apart and raises the bar pretty high. So I'm excited to talk about that. But first, I think I want to dive in and really just get a little bit of backstory so people understand who you are and, and where you are today and how you got here. Um, you mentioned a very distinct moment in your childhood that you can recall that kind of set you on a path of excellence in the fire service. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I, you know, I grew up in a very little rural community, 300 people in, uh, in Alabama. And, uh, I didn't, I don't, I, I didn't know anything about the fire department. My first memory of the fire department came when I was eight years old. Uh, my dad had said that morning, uh, that he had some errands to run or what I told you in the prelude there. He had a rat killing. That's a Southern term for Love you. that. You know, had some rat killing to do. And I begged to let, you know, hey, let me go. Cause that meant we were going to go to town. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a caution light. There's not even a stop sign if you drive north to south through our little community there. So, like, he, whatever reason, he let me go with him. And for us, town was uh, Florence, Alabama. You know, okay. it was the closest, bigger town. You know, they had a Walmart. You know, it was, they had tall buildings. And I thought it was New York City. I didn't know anything. <laughs> you know, I'm from, I'm from Alabama. I don't know the difference. It's, it's a city. Yeah. Uh, but I was excited to get to go. Uh, I was riding in the front seat of that you know, 68 Ford truck with my dad, we come across the O'Neill bridge and for whatever reason, he took a back street there uh, instead of coming the main way into town. And I remember the first time I ever remember seeing a fire truck was at Florence fire station one. The guys were all out on the front pad. They had the trucks pulled out, but what caught my eye as an eight year old was one of them was playing with this little radio control car. Yeah. And I, I'd never seen one I, except in the Sears catalog that came for Christmas. Right, I, right, right. I, I was begging dad. I'm like, hey, Terrell, let me see it. Let me see it. And uh, he was feeling good that morning. I don't know. If he, maybe he'd been drinking or something. I don't know. But uh, he he relented. He turned around. Um, and, you know, here we pull up. You know, I, I'm living on a farm. I'm in this old truck with my dad. We're some hillbillies from, you know, Podunk. And I, I'll, I'll never forget. It wasn't, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, these guys were, were firemen. It wasn't the fact. I didn't know anything about the fire department. Sure. But I remember was how nice they were to us right you know i get out of the truck this little hillbilly kid and the guy that's got this little toy he takes a knee he looks at me right in the eye and talks to me like i was somebody wow um and i i i, I don't know i'm eight years old but i knew then there's something different about these guys i i've never been to a job site with my dad where people acted this way yeah towards to total strangers and mm. you know they they didn't know us anything there was no reason for them to be that nice except who they were and what they did and what they believed in. Uh, and like I said in the prelude, I wish I knew who they were. I wish I could go back and tell them thanks to them. Uh, it's not always those big calls and rescues and uh, other things that make the news that make a difference in people's lives. For me, it was just somebody being nice to me, taking time, talking to me as a little kid that put me on a path to being something different, something more maybe. And all these years later, you can still remember that vividly to be able to tell it in such detail because it's impacted you so greatly. And so I have to ask you, Chief, I would assume then the way you conduct and carry yourself is you will get down on one knee and engage people and talk to people because that's what shaped, molded who you were and who you've become. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, we get school groups that come by regularly. We go into the schools. We have station visitors. Uh, and, man, we never know the, the impact yeah. that we have on people's lives. That's, uh, man, I mean, what a moment, right? I mean, just to, to be able to remember back to that. I mean, I grew up, I'm, uh, you know, second generation. I grew up in the firehouse, so I was fortunate to be there and be surrounded by it. Um, and for you to just to to come out of the country and into the city and to be influenced like that um, is just super powerful. I mean, what when you left that day, I mean, I'm not expecting you to recollect this, but when you left that day, I have to think that that set you on this path of just like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, this internal belief in something greater, bigger, better. They saw you as a person. You felt, you know, just all of it. It's, it's very powerful. Uh, absolutely, man. I, and I, you know, I hung on to that memory for all those years. And like I said, after that, I started seeing fire trucks everywhere because yeah. I've never even thought about it before. You know, I joined the volunteer fire department in my community when I was old enough. Uh, and it was just something that stuck with me. I could not explain it. It was just a, a, a fire in my soul that, like I said, just somebody taking time out of their day and doing something so normal. It's just, uh, it, it was powerful to me then. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 it took me down a path that I'm thankful that it did. I'm glad that those guys were out there that day. Yeah. I'm glad that they took a few minutes just to talk to me, you know? I, it's super important to be able to get on one's level and to engage people and to, you never, you never know the trajectory that you can set for somebody and you might change somebody's life overnight, you know, just by a, a kind word or a, a look in the eye. So you join the volunteer fire service then in your small community. Is that in, in then, okay. And then from there you decide that this is for me. I mean, this is something that you wanted to pursue as a career. Absolutely. I, I was in the ministry uh, for about 10 years. Uh, and I just, man, I kept, you know, I said I was a volunteer that whole time. Yeah. I was a po point in my life where I was kind of needing, you know, needing to get out of ministry, it's at least as full-time work. And there's nothing else I had ever imagined doing other than being a fireman. Wow. That's all I ever could ever think about doing. Yeah. Min so you were, you were a minister then? Uh, so I was a youth minister. I was associate minister early Got on. I was a youth minister for several years there, full time. So I love that because that just falls in line with this story is is working with the youth, right? And then finding, you know, you, you had such vivid memories of your own youth and then, you know, in things that were impactful to you growing up, you then take it upon yourself to make that your mission. And then you're looking for the fire service because I have to think there's so many similarities in youth ministry, and going down that road of giving back and, and giving to people in, in the service model of your life and then finding your way to the fire service. I mean, they really complement each other, no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, ministry is all about serving. And the fire service, I mean, we're all hazards responders, but we do everything. I mean, yeah. it's, it's still that service mentality. It's, you know, if they don't know who else to send, they're going to send a fire truck. And when our guys get there, and they're nice and they're professional and they, you know, come across in the right way and they're happy to serve. They've got that Chick-fil-A attitude. That's my pleasure to be here to be able to help you. You know, that's, that's something, you know, you want to have a good you know, reputation in your community and you want the city to support you. That's who we've got to be. Uh, and that's, it, it matters because our people matter, you know, uh, our citizens matter, our guys in the fire trucks matter. So does Decatur have that type of culture? I mean, as you, I'm, as I'm, you progress forward and you come up through the ranks and, and now you're in a, in a leadership position as a battalion chief within your department, is there still that small town feel within your department where community and outreach is important? I, I think so. Uh, I, I was actually in the shoals when I was trying to get uh, full-time in mm. the fire service. And I volunteered with some guys that were over here and they were like, Hey man, you're, you're going to be happier indicator. This is where I think you should apply. And when I applied, man, the, the culture is what I think is our strongest suit. We've got a, we've got a, a bunch of guys that believe in doing the right thing that love the job with all their heart that come to work every day and try to give their best. And it makes my job as a battalion chief easy. You know, when you've got guys that are trying to do right, they're going above and beyond, that are trying to find new ways to impact the people around them. It makes, I mean, 
most of the time my job is pretty easy because Mm. of that. And it's easy because of the people that you have. Absolutely. That makes all the difference in the world. But the people you have, it takes a culture to allow for your people to be successful. Talk, Talk to me a little bit about the foundation of culture then. Like what, I mean, that service orientation, that, that youth ministry, giving back, that servant attitude uh, and, and type of management style, what is, how does culture fit in there? Like in your department, how do we promote our people as a manager, right? You're, you're in the upper level of management, and so how does that, how does that work? How do, you, how do you become a boss that allows their people to work and succeed? Well, I, I think... You know, if we're going to have good people, it starts with our recruits and who we, you know, who we bring in, and then how we train them. That that foundation that we lay for them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm a I'm a big picture person. Uh, I'm a big picture person, and I think we've got to sell our purpose to people. You know, we got to start with a why. We got to answer those questions, and when we see our, we see why what we're about, and we understand that it matters. Man, there are people that go home, and uh, have another birthday. They're able to see their kids again. They have another uh, Christmas season because of what our guys do day in and day out. We're giving the gift of life to people. Yeah. You know, we're, we're keeping people healthy because of what we do. And man, when you convince people of that and we see the impact that we're actually being able to make on the community on a daily basis, uh, that I think that's the foundation of that. And then we've got to model it, you know, uh, we've got to model who we want them to be. When I was a company officer, I made it a point to clean the toilets every shift. That was my job, mm. and it wasn't it wasn't me trying to uh, you know be uh, you know nicer than anybody else. It was just the fact that if I clean the crap up, there's not a job that I can ask you to do. That's right. It's going to be any worse than that, you know. So I was in there scrubbing every shift because I wanted them to see, hey, I'm not above anything. I'm not above anything. I'll do any job that takes, whatever it takes for us to get the job done every day is what I'm going to do with you guys. Um, we need more leaders like that, Chief. I, I agree, absolutely. And we've got to model that for our guys. We've got to show them what it means. We can't just preach a sermon. We've got to live it out. That's good. I like that. You can't, you can't just – you can't – hold on. I'm writing that one down. You can't just preach. <laughs> you can't just preach the sermon. you got to act you it out. live it out. That's right. Have to live it out. Sorry for the delay, everyone, but this is, man, there's sometimes moments happen in the podcast and I go, oh, I got to write that one down. That was one of those moments. (laughs) You can't just preach the sermon. You have to live it out. Man, that is, that's powerful, Chief. That's powerful. How do we... yeah, that's what I believe, man. That's and, what I believe. And leading by example is is a huge part of that. But I I had a conversation the other day, and I'd love to get your take on this. Is I'm we're finding that I think the you know we, we have incredible people, and I I think that there's a too much negativity in the fire service today, and I think we paint a lot of things with broad strokes these days, and we're not diving in. I think there's a ton of people that are super passionate about this job, and in fact, I think this job is probably as good or better than it's ever been, but it gets overshadowed by negativity and nonsense and all that other stuff, right? Because everything gets magnified now more than it ever has before. How do we endorse our people to believe in living out the sermon when the job we think sometimes starts to become about the individual and not the whole, not the company, the community they serve, but more about me and what I'm getting from it? Well, man, again, we gotta we gotta remind people about why we're here. Yeah, you know, uh, we gotta remind people uh, of our, our our mission, our purpose, why we exist. Uh, this last year, there was two big calls on my shift that kind of, as a shift, it brought us back to that mindset of, mm. hey, it's not about me. It's not about me. One of them was the most Hollywood fire moment I've ever seen. And it was not that it was a big fire. It was right. just like, I'll tell you real, real quick what yeah, happened. Go ahead. Uh, we had a, we had a, a acting driver on our, one of our ladders. Uh, the Lieutenant was off. Uh, he had a fireman stepping up to drive another two year fireman floated over. They got woke up about two 30 in the morning for a car fire. As soon as they got done with the car fire, they filled the truck back up because they don't have a lot of water. They want to be ready. They want to do it right. 
as soon as they're clearing, they get flagged down for a, a house fire. They said, Hey, there's people trapped right around the corner. Yeah. You know, they, they call it in, but now that everybody else has got to wake up and get there. Um, when they get there, uh, most of the Bravo side is lit off several rooms, fires coming out the front door, the porch is involved and there's people standing there saying, Hey, there's, there's folks in there. There's folks in there. I get there second. I've got no water. You know, I'm in a little battalion car. Right. I do a quick 360. Uh, they have stretched the hose line. They've put fire, put water on the fire to create an ability for them to get in. This acting officer, this guy that normally driving a fire truck, is in by himself. And when I come back around, what was so Hollywood about it, it was an old, you know, built in the 40s, little house, a balloon frame. And I don't know because it had broken an attic or what, but the smoke had lifted. And I could see in there like it was Chicago fire. No kidding. And I'm watching, I'm watching this guy bounce yeah. from one room to the next. And then uh, this guy, we, we call him uh, a Muppet because he talks and mumbles, you know. <laughs> but I can, <laughs> I can hear him hollering out, victim, victim, victim. Yeah. And as soon as I hear that, I, I'm trying to get as close as I can to the porch. And then there he comes by himself, dragging a lady out. They start CPR, um, you know, immediately. They end up carrying her. They're going to fly her to Birmingham to the burn center. By the time they get her to the, hel- the helipad, she's responsive, answering questions. Wow. Um, no, like, she's, she had to have some skin grafts, but she got released from the hospital. She wanted to meet that crew. But that moment right there, being able to see that, and then all those crews that were arriving on scene, you know, it was so visible. And watching a lady get pulled out, watching her going from not breathing, unresponsive to answering questions to now she asked to come back and meet the guys. Yeah. It was, hey, all that other nonsense that we get bogged down in, uh, it's just nonsense. You know, we've got a lot of distractors and we've got a lot of people that find a problem for every solution. Yes. But what we've got to do is look back, man, the morale for our shift had not been higher in, since I can remember after that fire. Um, and man, we got to recognize those peoples and, and celebrate those moments. The mayor stopped by that morning and I grabbed him. I said, look, this is one of the most heroic things I have been able to see in my whole career. Like this guy put his life on the line, fire, literally I'm, there's fire over his head yeah. as he's crawling and I'm watching him do this. You know, this is what you get from your fire department. This is what you expect. And when we did a little after action, I told every other officer there, Hey, this is what we expect of you guys. You know, I know two in, two out, all that crap but he's got known victims. What's the right thing to do? The right thing to do is to get in there and go after it. And that's what he did. And he made that rescue. Uh, and it was crazy, man. His, his name's Moody. And there's a restaurant in town here called the Moody Crab, but we changed it to Moody Grabs. <laughs> and we've got stickers made. It's on <sighs> fire trucks. It's on everybody's coffee cup. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of a funny thing, but man, we've got to celebrate those moments and remind people why we're here. We're not here for all that noise we're here because at the end of the day, what we do, it really matters, man. Yeah. And it's not just those big calls. Like I said, sometimes it's being nice to that little hillbilly kid that makes a difference. Sometimes I teach recruit school here a couple of years ago, uh, you know, toward the end of school, I, I kind of start getting into this purpose with the recruits and talking about what drove you into the fire service sure. and why, why do you want to do this? And I had ran out of time that day. So I was talking to one of the guys on his way home on the phone. And he said, you know, I was, you know, a little kid. We were having my birthday party at the skate center indicator. And my dad started having chest pain. Mm. And he said, we called, you know, my mom called 911. He said, just as the firemen get there, my dad goes unresponsive. And they have to start CPR on him and uh, have to shock him and everything. And he said, I'll never forget how they treated my mom, how they treated me. And he said, I knew right then I was going to be a fireman. And when he told me that, I I couldn't talk for a little while because I uh-huh. remembered as a rookie sure. on Quint 6, getting that run, making that call, walking in, seeing this, this guy, you know, going responsive, doing sure. CPR. And I remember that interaction with this kid. And I, I, you know, it wasn't a win for us. We got him back, got him to the hospital. But I, I went home thinking that that was – Hey, that was a, that was not a good time. You know, we, we lost somebody, but yeah. him, what he saw was some guys that cared yes. and treated him well. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, he knew from that moment, you know, my moment came as a, 
a kid on the front pad of a fire station. His moment came at a very traumatic event, but it carried on. Yeah, He's in the fire department today because of what my crew did when I was a rookie. Wow. Um, Powerful. So it matters, man. It does. It's powerful because it matters, man. We're dealing with people's lives here and it's a big deal. What we do matters. We're, we're, I think we're a bargain for what we uh, cost our our municipalities for what we are able to do. For sure. Bargain, dude. Well, it's, it's a hundred percent personal. Like the, the, the involvement we have with the people that we serve, they have this blind trust and belief that we will be there regardless of what the conditions are or what the situation is, we will blindly, we, they blindly believe that we will be there and be there to affect an outcome that is positive in their favor. And, you know, for you to, to, you know, hearing the emotion in your voice and how impactful that was to you as a rookie firefighter and now seeing it all these years later and looking back on it and, and what compassion. I mean, you know, the fire service, there's so much that is built on like empathy and compassion and just being a good person. That is such a big part of it, chief. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, we're, we're in the human business. Yeah. We deal with people. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really, it, it's important man, and it matters. And we've got to keep that. That's, that's, the, that's gotta be the first thing we talk about with people when we're trying to recruit on this, what our mission is. And when we want people to buy in, to whatever the fire department, what, our, what, what we're selling, it's talking about those things, man. This, we get to do things that other people will never get a chance to do. It's one of the last great professions that all we do is good. That's all we do, yeah. you know? No matter what it is, wherever we're involved in, we're just doing good for people, you know? I, I do. I, I get it 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, very, very powerful. Let me ask you this, because you've been speaking about purpose, and purpose is super important, right? To know why we're there, who we're there for, what it all looks like. And I know you have a, a couple key words that are important to you, and out of purpose comes passion, correct? Absolutely. And that's really what you're starting to talk about now is the passion that we need to instill into our people. And it's those interactions, those those dealings with the public where you're making that impact. But talk to me a little bit about passion from the the civilian side and in the services we provide, but also the passion for pushing ourselves to be better at what we do. Well, when we have our purpose and we know our why, I think passion flows out of that. You know, I, I, I think one of the greatest sins of a fire service instructor is to bore your students uh, because, I mean, and it's easy, you know, like, hey, we fall into this rut. We, we're given this PowerPoint and we just kind of, well, this is what I'm supposed to teach. Well, that's the content of it, but uh, there's some, there's more to it, you know, because I understand why. I understand why it's important. So to me, man, I've, I've, I've got the most exciting message in the world. You know, I, I, I carry it back to ministry. You know, I believe in the good news. Yeah. I believe that Jesus came and died. Man, that's something to be excited about, you know? That's something I believe in why we're here. And since I believe in why we're here, man, that makes me excited because of what it is, what it does, and what it means to our community. And I tell people it's okay to be excited about the fire service. It's okay to be excited. It's okay to love it. Uh, we beat our people up sometimes, you know. We we see people taking pictures and posting them on Facebook. And, man, we, we beat them up, you know. Yeah. We got that company officer that wants to drill on the weekend. He's just being – you know, he's being a hard nose. He's, he's trying to make everybody else look bad. Uh, sometimes we're our own worst enemy, but man, when we come across the, the, the public, yes, you know, I love, uh, you know, the colony, Texas. And I love the stuff that the Chief Thompson. Chief Thompson, there. sure. Absolutely. And I love it. And I love what's on the back of their fire truck. And something you said earlier, you know, that what the public expects from us, that slogan that's on all their, the back of their fire trucks, we will come for you. Yeah. Man, that, that's exciting stuff. That's exciting stuff because that's who, that's what the, the public, like, just like you said, that's what the public expects of us. That's what they think of us. But man, you know, like I said, we're our own worst enemy. Somebody's really bought in. They're just a company, man. You know, we'll, we'll cheer about sports. We'll get excited because, hey, I'm an Alabama fan, you know, and when they, they make a big play, you know, I'm, I'm yelling like an idiot, right? <laughs> of course. Uh, well, it, it's okay to be excited about the fire service, man. A few years ago, my wife and I were uh, in Las Vegas. We got to go to the shot show. We're sitting down eating supper uh, at this uh, uh, Giannano's Pizza. Okay. It was 
Chicago Southeast. Right. It's a fancy place with those yep. cloth napkins, you know. So <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> we're we're sitting there, uh, and I I had a new driver at the time, and for us, the driver's promoted position, and then after six months, you can act as officer. So I had a new driver, and I'd left my alerts on because I wanted to see what he got that day. Yeah. And sure enough, we're sitting there eating, and across my phone comes a fire like two blocks from the station. And man, I couldn't help it. I got my scanner out, out. You know, I'm trying not to be this this buffoon in the middle of this nice restaurant in the middle of Las Vegas. You, you know, can't help hours. yourself. Yep. I can't help it. <laughs> can't help so, it. So I can't help it. So I'm sitting there trying to listen as quiet as I can. And uh, you know, they they sure enough, you know, when dispatch comes across, multiple callers, flame scene. They go in route. He pulls up. This is my driver, my guy, the guy that I've been, you know, he's going to be better than I've ever been. He's going to be one of those guys that do great things. And when he pulls up, man, he paints the most beautiful picture of this fire. And he gives great uh, follow-up assignments to incoming units. And you would have thought that Alabama just won a national title because I was a total (laughs) goon, man. And at least I was in Vegas. Maybe they thought I just want to bet. Yeah, know? right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how, how can we not be excited about our people succeeding? How can we not be excited about good things that are happening? Yes. Right? I mean, I, I don't know how. I don't. I don't understand the guys that spend their whole career just angry. That's that's a foreign concept to me. How are we angry about things we can't control? Yep. You know why are we so upset about things that I can't? I can't make the city do this or that. I can't make them do anything. What can I control? I can control me. That's it. Well, and that's you know? it. And people that and people that are like that are like that in every facet of their world. And and it's not just the job, it's their personal life, it's their outside second job or business or whatever they have in front of them. They are a naysayer or a down talker or a miserable person inside and out. And and I believe that. And I think that's why we need good people. You know, you talked about recruitment and retention before with purpose and finding the right people, setting a level of expectation so that people coming in know what's expected of them and they know what they should expect from you. And I think that's important. And I I just think that, you know, being a person, being personable, being having empathy. I mean, it just goes back to the whole theme of what we've been talking about now for the last half hour is really what it comes down to is good, valued people skills. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Anderson Rescue Solutions was founded in 2016 by former Philadelphia firefighter Tim Anderson. As an urban firefighter and rescue specialist, Tim found that the equipment available to him lacked the usability and practicality in complex, high-stress environments that rescuers often found themselves in. To combat this, he developed products based on his own experiences in the field, creating innovative, efficient gear designed to thrive in reality. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap is a perfect example of one of these products. Made in America, this patented tool is used for rapidly harnessing firefighters or civilians in the worst conditions. Every feature is fine-tuned to meet the needs of rescuers battling low visibility, low dexterity, and high stress. The multi-loop rescue strap has been used in numerous real-world rescues for both firefighters and civilians all across the country, and it is being increasingly adopted by fire, rescue, and tactical agencies as standard issue equipment. I carry one. I have carried one for many years. It is the most versatile strap out there. Check it out. The multi-loop rescue strap by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Tim Anderson, the owner and proprietor of Anderson Rescue Solutions, has become a dear friend. In fact, he's even been on the podcast several episodes ago. Dropped incredible information. He's super passionate about the fire service, about special operations, and he has built an incredible company and an incredible product. So because of our great relationship with Tim and Anderson Rescue Solutions. If you go to AndersonRescue.com, you'll get 10% off if you use the promo code NFR2023. That's NFR2023 at checkout on AndersonRescue.com. You'll get 10% off your order. And do me a favor, go over to their social media and check out Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for weekly news, product info, and other content in regards to Anderson Rescue Solutions. This episode's brought to you by Flame Decon. 
Developed specifically for firefighter decon, Flame Shampoo, Body Wash, and Soaps reduce your risk of getting occupational cancer. Live fire testing shows that carcinogens on your skin after a fire are removed and undetectable after using Flame. Flame Decon has made a product that not only does its job and does it well, but that you'll enjoy using. They smell amazing. They make your skin and hair feel great. I will be an absolute witness to that. I have used the product. Tara and I have known each other for quite some time. She has sent us product. We have used it, and it does take that smell of soot and smoke off of you immediately following a shower. It makes a difference. You can find Flame Decon products at flamedecon.com and use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. That's promo code NFR for 15% off your first order at flamedecon.com. And for departments that are interested in departmental orders, more than one or two pieces of product, you can reach out to Tara directly at Tara at flamedecon.com. She's happy to entertain any inquiries that you have. And this made me think departments need to protect their own and protecting our own is also after the fire. Chiefs, purchasing managers, look into Flame Decon as a way of protecting our firefighters in and out of the fire. So check out Flame Decon at flamedecon.com. Use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think we have to do a better job more than ever today to teach it with a, with a disconnect of the importance. I mean, I'm sure that your driver who was standing in for you while you were playing the one-armed bandits in Vegas, right? <laughs> yes, while sir. he's standing in for you, and he crushes that fire. It does well. And you're hooting and hollering in the pizza place about what a great job he's done. I'm sure you let him know. And that, oh, that yeah. affirmation is so important. You could have went on, right? If, if you weren't all in, you, would have, you wouldn't even have had your alerts on to even know. You wouldn't have cared, right? But because, because you're, you're all in, you were listening, and now you want to go and tell him what a great job he did. And this is, wow, I listened to it, or I, I heard this or that or whatever. That goes such a long way in building out a culture of where he wants to perform, and he, he's holding up his level of expectation that you had for him and the department has, and also he's excelling at a position that he's eventually going to get to. I, I just All of that is just so nicely packaged. Absolutely, and we we've got to we do have to model that, and we've got to put the people who do that well in positions yes. where they can model it. You know, we shouldn't be promoting people that have that terrible attitude. You know, I know that's kind of an intangible thing, but who who do I want leading the fire service? Who do I want teaching my new guys? Who do I want interacting with the public? What culture do I promote? You know, I want to promote those guys that are going out of their way, that are going above and beyond that look forward to the challenges that come with the job, that look forward to whatever every day brings, and they meet it with a smile. You know, I want to be so positive that people can't help but feel better when they're around me. And that's what I want from my guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, instead of focusing on all those little negative things, you know, uh, and we look for problems, man. I don't get it. You yeah. know, we look for problems. Uh, and, and then, like I said, we've got to model that, and we've got to support that. When we see these young guys – that are excited and they're into the job, man, we need to be throwing fuel on that fire. You know, a guy wants to design a new station shirt, man, give it to him, let him go. That ought to be great job, man. That looks great. You know, I know we've got to have an approval process or whatever else to make sure something's appropriate, but come on, man. He wants to make this hat. He wants to make a patch. He wants to make some stickers. You know, why in the world would we throw water on that? You know, no, get that guy involved, man. Get him plugged in. Let's keep feeding that fire because we want more of that. We want more of those people. And when that becomes our norm and when we're the majority, all those other people tend to shut up. Yeah. You know, they may still not like it, but when the, most of the people are bought in and most of the people are pushing forward and they believe in our mission and they're passionate about it, those other guys are just going to kind of tune out or leave. And I'm fine with either way. When you were coming up through, um, you talked about a very powerful story where you, as a rookie, were able to influence uh, a, a, an individual with the fire service, right, and, and so on on that call. Um, but did you have some tough 
dealings along the way too. Some bad managers, some bad leaders, learning learning the bad and the good. I mean, because for you today to sit here and talk like this, I mean, you make me want to come work for you. You make me want to work on your fire ground because I know just in the last 30 minutes of this podcast with you, this episode, I know what kind of manager and leader you are. And people want to work for people like that because you want your people to succeed, that it's not about you and you're promoting your people and you're instilling the correct values and morals and ethics and, and operational challenges and, and presenting it to them and letting them figure that out. Were you always like that? And did you always have managers like that? Or did you come across some along the way that taught you the, the not so glorious side? I had some early mentors that helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, one of my, one of my heroes retired recently. He, uh, Sean Chandler was one of the guys that I think if you mention that anywhere in the state of Alabama or the South, you mention that name, people would know who he was. And he was a good friend of mine, still a good friend of mine. Nice. And he was one of those guys that, uh, he just kind of resisted what the norm was years ago and changed our culture in, in a good way. Uh, but I had, man, I had some not so good managers. I had some people that, uh, didn't care how you felt. They didn't care what you wanted to do. It, they were not people, you know, people, persons like they just, yeah. they were just managers and it was just, uh, Hey, this is the way things are. This is the, what we're doing. I don't really care how you feel. Don't ask me any questions. Just do what I say. And that to me, I'm the opposite. Like I want to know why, why are we doing what we're doing? Why does it matter? You know, so I, I came through a time. Yeah, I had some, I had some not great managers, but I always had those people that I felt connected to. Even when I, I felt like I wasn't on a crew that was bought in uh, or whatever else, I had people that I could continually reach out to and get feedback from. And I, you know, I could go by and see them while they're on shift and it feels like I'm at an oasis again. I you know, that. That's now, cool. now I'm, I'm with my people again. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, no, I, and that's, I mean, that's the thing too. It's like, who wants to be in a negative place all the time? And so, you know, those houses, those companies, those departments that have that reputation or you walk in, you can sense it and feel it, man, nobody wants to be there. Nobody does. Even, no. a, even a miserable guy doesn't want to be there because there's somebody more miserable than he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no fun. It's no. no fun all day. No, I agree. So purpose and passion. And now we move mm -hmm. on to discipline. Talk to me a little bit about your, your thoughts on discipline and how that falls in line. So to me, discipline is a brother to passion. You know, I, I don't always feel like going to drill. I don't mm. always feel like going to work out. Um, but it all goes back to purpose again. You know, I know why we're here. I know why it's important. And that drives me as a, as a firefighter, as an officer, as a chief. It drives me to get better. It, dry, it makes me get up early and go work out. It makes me go out on a Saturday when it's cold or it's rainy or even while we're at the, at the station in the engine bay. Like, we've got to get better because what we do matters. I understand my purpose. Uh, maybe I'm not feeling it today, but guess what? Even if I'm not feeling it, I owe the community. I owe the people we serve. As, a, as an officer, I owe my guys. I owe them the best version of me. Maybe I had a bad night. Maybe I didn't sleep well, you know, whatever else. Maybe I'm just not feeling it today. They deserve my best version. I take time every morning when I'm going to work to just clear my head and think about the why. I, I love starting out. I live close enough when it's when the weather cooperates, I can ride my bicycle into nice. work. And that's my favorite yeah. because there's no distractions. There's no radio. There's no anything else. And I can kind of get back grounded. Even if I'm not feeling well, man, the guys on my shift depend on me. And I owe them the best version of me. And I think that's kind of plays into that discipline, you know. It means I train when I don't feel like it. It means I work out when I don't feel like it. It means when I've got sweat in my eyes and I'm wearing out, but I know I haven't got this right yet, it means I can't stop. I can't stop. we got to keep moving forward because it's too important to get wrong. I think what I think what empowers discipline is a culture and a passion that pushes your people to want to be better. And when you want to be better because you believe in the mission, 
and you get that passion and reinforcement from your department or company or leaders, it then pushes you to gain more discipline. I mean, I'll be honest with you, like discipline is one of those things in my life that I struggle with at times when it comes to certain aspects of it. Right. And so it's always that constant struggle and it's finding ways and reasons why discipline matters. And, you know, people always are looking for a short term response or, or a short term impact and not the long term. Right. But discipline, Absolutely. discipline is built on longevity. Right. So, you know, uh, you could be super hardcore discipline and get immediate results, but there's usually not lasting or staying power in that. Right. And so discipline on a projected path that is steady and incremental will lead to longevity. And I think people struggle with that. But if you have an environment that promotes it, it sets you on a better path for better, a better planned discipline, uh, you know, uh, way of life, if you will. Absolutely. And, and when you're around people that are disciplined and that's who you are drawn to, and then like as a company officer, you've created that environment. You don't always have to feel it that day. You know, I have a lot of times when I came in uh, as a lieutenant and I'm like, man, I'm, I, I could take a nap today. And my guys were like, hey, what time are we going to train? You know, yeah. because that's that level of expectation they have. You know, I, I go to a CrossFit gym, not because I, I, I'm great at it, but because, hey, all I got to do is show up. That's all I got to do because you're going to have that intensity there. You've already got a program. There's no excuses. It takes all the excuses out of it. Uh, but that culture and that community that's there is important to me because I want to work out hard because I believe I need to be in good shape to be good at my job. So I'm, hey, I, I made that a commitment. You know, I'm trying to take out all my excuses. And if I go and I show up and when you're around a bunch of people that are competitive and most of us are type A, we want to win, we want to do better. I'm getting older, so I've got to be a little smarter. Um, but hey, show up, work out hard, get it done, get it right. And it's easier in the community. And the fire department's no different. It's easier in the community. When that's our norm, it's just a norm that we're going to train today. It's just a norm that we're going to work out together. It's just a norm that we're going to do these things together. That makes that discipline a lot easier. And once it's a habit and it's just expectation, uh, it's not near as hard to get going. I love it. I mean, I wrote down discipline is all about showing up. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I never, right until this moment, I never really thought of it that way. And that's why I wrote that down. Thank you for that, Brandon. I, I just I appreciate that conversation because that's what it's all about. Discipline is all about showing up. And once you get there with the right culture, people will push you and you don't need the discipline to push yourself because you're being pushed by others. And that's why a good and valid and valued culture matters. I love Absolutely. it. Oh, I love that. That's good. And then from there, right, what's the next logical step? So you go purpose, passion, discipline, and then what? I say excellence. I love if it. we've started with a why and we're passionate, we believe in our mission because we believe it makes a difference. And we've created a culture of discipline where we're getting it done. Uh, that's just our normal. It, hard work always works. Hard work always works. So if that's our culture, it's going to push us to that level of excellence. Uh, I remember, you know, reading uh, Mark Von Oppen's uh, uh, blog when he when he would blog all the time, and you know, one of his big things was excellence is my responsibility. And I remember thinking, man, that is so cool, because you know, half of my career, you know, I've always heard these excuses from people. You know, hmm. there's always they. It's they. They don't do this. They don't supply this. They don't train us on this or that. And the reason why I suck is because of them. No, it's not. The reason why you suck is because of you. You haven't taken it serious. You've not taken it on yourself. You've not bought in to the mission. You don't have that passion that you've developed. You don't have discipline in your life. And now here you are, you are 15, 20 years in, and you really don't have 15 or 20 years of experience. You just repeated your first year 15 or 20 times yeah. because you've never gone any further. But if you want to be great, you've got to own it. You've got to own it. Uh, excellence is my responsibility, man. And I, I loved that when I first read that. I love that thought. Uh, and, we, man, we owe it. We owe our people. We owe the public. We owe our guys to be great at but, what we do. We're, we're never going to be perfect. But, Chief, uh, it's but easy. I want to be great. Yeah, but it's easier to point the finger and blame someone else, right? 
Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, is. and that's what that is, is you suck because of you. You can't, we love, exactly. we love to point fingers, right? We love to blame elsewhere where we're not holding ourselves accountable. I think self-awareness and, and accountability of our own actions is literally two things that are absolutely lacking throughout culture today. And I'm not even talking about the fire service. I'm talking about in general, in life, self-accountability, because we like to blame everyone for everything else. And we never want to look at ourselves. Right. Absolutely. It's just easier to point the finger. So in a fire department, it's easier to point the finger up or it's easier to point the finger down. It's the new guy's fault or, hey, it's the it's the department's fault. It's there. You know, it's uh, it's a lack of this or that. Meanwhile, you're not holding yourself accountable that you could do something to better yourself and you don't need somebody else to better you. You have to better you. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why excellence is oh, man. I I like that because I don't often hear that word enough when I do these episodes and talk with guys like yourself, because it, I, I always think like, you know, we talk about level of proficiency and bettering ourselves and pushing ourselves to be better. But you said something before and I, I wish I wrote it down, but it was something about like, you were talking about the level of expectation. We expect you to be that good. Right. Like you. Um, oh, when when the, when the guy made the grab under those conditions and you said that you guys were talking and there was we expect you to perform at that level. Right. Is, is that what you said? I believe. Absolutely. And that was our after action review. So, yeah, every crew there gathered around the back of the fire truck and we're talking. And, you know, that's a, that's we, we have a decent amount of fire. But, man, those kind of fires don't happen a lot. We right. get you know, successful rescues and he's by himself for several minutes no support, no backup, nobody in there with him. And we can make all the arguments we want about survivable space, you know, sure. house well involved, whatever else they created livable space. He occupied that livable space and in a very dangerous situation made a positive impact on somebody's life. That lady will be, like I said, she's going to be 4th of July this year with her kids. She spent Christmas with her grandkids this past year because of that moment. That's right. And that that's what I told all my guys. This is our expectations on this shift. I expect you to make good decisions. I don't have to be there for you to make a good decision. Don't rely on me. I can't see what you see if I'm not there yet. He, he looked at it. He saw it. He told him, hey, put some fire on, put some water on this fire real quick. As soon as he had an ability to get inside, he did. And they had let, you know, 500 gallons of water is all they had on scene at the time with a well-involved house. But he made a decision, hey, I can go in by myself and I can try. And that's what he did. And he was successful there. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's our expectation. And the expect and that's it. That's the conversation. There's a there's a expectation that anyone in his position would perform in the same way because you've created a culture and pushed your people to understand that that is their duty and you've given them the tools and the training to promote themselves, to be able to put themselves in that spot. It's huge. Absolutely huge. I love that. That's powerful for sure. So excellence, I think, needs to be talked about more because I think we do need to be excellent at what we do. And I think we have the abilities. Everyone has the ability to be better than they are, which I think then takes us into this next conversation, which is going further in your career with the Alabama Smoke Diver program because I'm really fascinated by programs like this where – it really is a next level type of training and certification, if you will. I don't know if certification is the right word, but um, uh, acknowledgement or successful completion of such a disciplined and really hard project. Not just anybody can apply, go through, and pass this course, right, Chief? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, it's a. I mean, you, you can get into it, but our if you don't come prepared. Uh, you're not going to be successful. It takes months of training to get ready. Talk to uh, me a little bit. A, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about this program. I'm I'm very curious. So it's like our syllabus says that it's a advanced firefighter survival and rescue class. And that's kind of a generic view of what it is and what we do, but it's really more than that. You know, it's really, uh, to me, it's kind of getting people down distilling down there why helping them figure out why am i here why do i want to get this why does this mean something to me and we do that you know it's it's a it's a week-long class 
It's a lot of work. It starts out on the drill field. We don't have any time in the classroom. We're sweating from the first minute. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it kind of, like I said, we kind of are able to just steal down. We strip away all those outside parts and distractions and everything else. And the people who succeed are the ones that know why they want to do what they're doing. Uh, but to me, it's, it's created its own uh, culture. And it's just, you know, you see another guy with a smoke diver patch and you automatically are going to talk to them. It's, yes. a, it's a different brotherhood within the brotherhood because you know what they went through. You know what they've done to get there. But I love the program and what it does. We've got incredible cadre of instructors that are probably some of the best firemen I know that care about the fire service. They care about the people who come that learn. They want them to, to, to learn. They want them to grow in their career and they want them to go on and do good things. Uh, and the way that it, it, it goes through is just natural. You know, we have a written program. We have certain drills that we do, but the interactions that we get to have daily with people while we're doing hard stuff, I think that's where the learning really happens. You know, we learn about who we are. We learn that we can go a lot further than we thought we could. We learn that we can do better than we thought we did. We eliminate some of those doubts in our mind where we have these, these negative self thoughts. Like, I don't know that I can do it. I don't think I can make it. I just seen my friend go home. This is too hard. And we kind of convert all that into positive thinking. You want to be great. You can be great. You want to do this. You can do it. If you're prepared and you got the right mindset, you can be successful. Uh, it's less than 1% of firefighters in the state of Alabama have completed it. Uh, it's an elite club. It's not like some, you know, boys club. It, it's a learning environment, uh, but it's a tough week, man. It's a, we, we have about a 40% attrition rate. It's not something that you can, like I said, just show up and make it through. Uh, but I love the program, man. I believe in it. I wish everybody would, would do it. How did you get mixed up in this? I mean, was this was this a program that existed prior to you getting involved, or were you instrumental in, in getting it going? So years ago, the state had uh, what they called SCBA specialists, and mm -hmm. it was just a week-long kick in the nuts, really. It was, <laughs> uh, it was how tough are you, how much can you handle, right. you know. That's really what it was. That program went away. It came back. Uh, as smoke diver it faded out one more time and then it got brought back uh in you know the late I don't know, 2009 era there was some new management that took over at the time the program manager before me was instrumental in the making it something where it's not just a test of toughness now it's it's actually hey we want to train people we want to make people better we want to give them opportunity to grow and that's what the program's kind of morphed into uh and I, I, I got into it because I was a, I got, I got lucky and got a, a contract with a fire college and started teaching recruit school down there in Tuscaloosa some. And then there was an opening in Smoke Diver. I expressed interest in being an instructor on there. I did that for a few years. That, that group of instructors are super close. Yeah. And we, we're the wolf pack. Like it's just some, you know, a group of guys that love each other, love the fire service. Uh, and then, hey, the, the, the previous, uh, lead instructor and program manager was stepping down. He asked me if I would take it on. I couldn't help but say yes. Um, it's, man, I'm telling you, it's a good experience. And it means it's hard to describe, honestly, what the program is, uh, at, at least adequately. It's hard to describe that. You got to um, be in peak per operating performance, meaning not just physically, but mindset, mentally. You mentioned mindset before, but I have to think that it's probably more so mindset than physical, right? I mean, you have to be in the best shape probably of your life to get through this program from what I know and what I've read. I know there's a very high tap out rate for people that come through um, and so on, but the mental side of it too, right? I mean, it, it, that's, that's what's breeding this uniqueness of this group, right? And how you guys are the, the less than 1% club in the Alabama fire service, right? I mean, it's a very exclusive club, if you will, to be able to put your mind and body through a program like this and push yourself to be better on the job. Absolutely. I mean, my, there's that belief, you know, I'm a believer in positive self-talk. Mm. I'm a believer in, you know, if I tell myself I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. So what the, the people, again, what we want to breed into them from the start is 
hey, you've got to believe you're going to be successful at this. And it is that mindset of I've, I'm going to, we had the, we had the oldest guy we've ever had come through this year. He's 50 years old and did great. He didn't repeat a single drill. Uh, I, on day two, we got done. Everybody smoked and dripping sweat. His group had finished a little bit early and he's standing out there with his blue jeans and boots back on looking like he hadn't hit a lick of a snake all day. Wow. And that's cool. he just had that mindset, man. He was mentally tough and he came prepared and he believed he was going to do it and he did it. Uh, so, I mean, that's think about what we encounter on the fire ground. It really is about being able to think critically under stress and we recreate that environment. You know, we have a, a stressful environment where we're tired, we're beat down and we want people to be able to think, make good decisions and act. Um, I love it. It's definitely about mindset. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, that the people that are coming up and through this program and that are succeeding through this program, believe wholeheartedly in your purpose, passion, discipline, and excellence, because a solid foundation, as you put it early on in this episode, a solid foundation prepares you for everything that's ahead. And those four words that you're, that you've crafted in, in they play very well off of each other. And I have to think that every person that comes through that program believes in those four words and understands the true meaning behind all of them. I hope so. I mean, like I said, I, I'm just old hillbilly from Alabama, uh, but I believe in the fire service. I believe in our mission. I think, you know, just, we, you know, honestly, we're not going to see most of the good we do through our career. You know, how many times do we have those follow-ups where we know how things turned out? Yeah. How many times do we know that uh, we impacted some little kid or, or on a call that somebody was there and saw what we did and they took that with them for the rest of their lives? You know, mm. most of the time, we're not going to know. Most of the time, most of the good that we do, we'll never know about. Yes. But I've got to live my life every day believing that it matters. And that's what I want to get across to our students in the smoke diver or in recruit school or whatever else. Man, you gotta you gotta give this your best, man. This is not a job to come halfway into. This is not a place to come for your benefits and retirement. That's not what this is about, you know. What this is about is making a difference in people's lives. What this is about is giving that gift of life back to somebody. Uh, it matters, man. It matters to, to our people. It matters to the public. It's too important to dabble in. This is not this is not a hobby. This is not a hobby, man. It's too important to dabble in. We've got to go all in. That's our only option. We've got to go all in. We've got to jump in, uh, and we've got to believe in it, man. That's who I want. When I, when I recruit, that's the guys I want, the guys that are ate up with it. That Man, you can't, they can't get enough of it. You're having to hold them back, man. They're excited about it. They want to go to every fire. They want to do everything, take every class. Man, that's who I want coming to my house. I, I, I live in this city that I serve. That's right. And who I want coming to my house, man, I want the best guys. If I'm out of town and my wife's here by herself, I don't want the slug that's been spending 12 hours every shift on the recliner, you know? Yeah. Give me that guy that takes it serious, man. Give me that guy that's willing to risk it all, just like Moody was on that fire last year. You know, hey, that's, that's somebody's wife in there. That's somebody's mom in there. That's somebody's daughter that you're dealing with. And it matters, you know? It matters every day. It matters with that school group that comes by your station. It matters when we go do PR events, man. What you do matters. It's important. It really matters. Well, my brother, my man, what a unbelievable conversation today. That we're gonna wrap on that. It matters. Plain and simple, it matters. We're about an hour in on the episode. Chief, I will tell you, man, I really look forward to our next meetings and talkings, and I can't wait to shake your hand one day and meet you face to face. Um, I think you bring so much passion to this job. I think your message today was super powerful. I think you're going to reach a lot of people with your message. And, uh, man, I am grateful for you taking an hour out of your day to talk with me and share it with our community, man. Thank you, Chief. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. I, I, I really appreciate it. I'm humbled again that you guys allowed me to come into this. Oh, man, I can't wait to have you back. Are you kidding me? This was good. <laughs> I, I was sitting back, and I was like, man, this is just such such a great conversation. So I thank you very, very much for sharing uh, a lot of your story and, and, uh, and your passion today is super evident, and uh, I can't wait to see – uh, what else you have coming down? So are you, do you have any more teaching coming? Are you going to be getting out and talking at all? Uh, I'll be back in uh, Fairhope again this year for the South Elbow Hot. Mickey's going to be down there for that. Is that this, uh, is that in March? 
It is. That's yes, the sir. uh that is March twenty four, twenty five. It's that event, right? Yes, sir. I'll see you there, my man. Perfect, man. I'm coming down with Mick. So uh and, and That's yeah, awesome. Anthony, yeah, I will be there. Then I am Perfect. super excited for that. Then that that just really made my day now knowing that you'll be there. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yes, That'll sir. be a lot of fun. So Perfect. well Chief, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Um, means the world, and uh, thank you. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast, and I'm going to come right back to you, okay? Sounds perfect. Great. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Battalion Chief Brandon Strickland out of Decatur, Alabama. What a very powerful message today. Purpose, passion, discipline, excellence, they all feed off each other, and you need to buy into all four of them, and it'll make you a better person and firefighter. Chief Strickland crushed it today. Take this conversation, take it back to your firehouse, and talk about it, because when we talk about the job, we are making the job better. Email us, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'd love to get your feedback, opinions, or thoughts about these episodes. And our guests, we'd love to hear from you. So please send us an email, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. And we'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.